to steal from the Empire? You just walk in like you belong. They're so proud of themselves. So fat and satisfied. They can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house. Once again, Bucketheads, Mavartigar. Welcome to another Bantha Tracks bonus episode of Mandivision. Nargai Tom, thank you so much for being here, checking out the show. I hope you're enjoying our weekly Star Wars The Clone Wars rewatch episodes. Uh, it's been a lot of fun diving back into season five of that currently. And and uh, yeah, what did we just do? We just think we just wrapped up Onderon, right? That was a good time going back to Onderon, seeing Saw Gerrera. As a young man, kind of seeing how he gets his start, a little training from from Obi Wan, from Anakin, from Ahsoka, kind of shaping him into the the tip of the spear, if you will. And what great timing that all is, because as we drop that episode Monday morning, very early Monday morning, just a little later Monday morning, we got a treat as Star Wars fans. We got the first official, like full length trailer. For Andor. And, you know, from what we had seen on the teasers and what we kind of gathered from some interviews that, that Tony Gilroy had given, some stuff that Diego Luna had talked about, you know, it, it sort of sounded like this was going to be a, a different sort of Star Wars show. Not just in the sense that it's it's in a different period of time. We're, we're shifting away from the original trilogy era uh, and we're going back to the dark times, back to the... You know, the Empire with its boot on everyone's neck. You know, that, that period that I'm, I'm completely fascinated with and want more stories set in. Uh, but we were also getting a show that was going to be, you know, largely filmed on location. Uh, they filmed a lot of it in, if they're doing sound stages, it was sound stages out in the UK. They built sets. They were out in the world. They were doing things. They weren't on the volume uh, in California, in, in Southern California, where so many of the Star Wars shows have been filmed uh, for Disney Plus recently. Uh, and that's, that's very interesting timing. Uh, <laughs> to talk about that sort of thing because, you know, a lot of people after uh, most recently Boba Fett and now Kenobi had finished up, people seem to have turned on the volume, if you will, excuse the pun, but they, they don't sound like they're fans of it. They think that it's it's sort of shrinking the scale, shrinking the scope of their Star Wars stories. And 
I don't think they're necessarily wrong. I don't think this. The, I don't think the volume's been used to its maximum effectiveness, like it was in those those seasons of the of one and two of the Mandalorian. Uh, for for whatever limitations the technology probably still has, I you know I can't get into that. I am not uh, that that person. I don't understand that technology, so I have nothing to really comment about it. You know, you may remember there was a few times during the Kenobi where I had mentioned a few things looked a little off here and there. Things looked a little small, a little compact. And that's, that's probably from that, that setup, that situation. But I don't know for sure. I wasn't there on those filming days. I don't know what they did. Um, but this, this trailer that we saw for Andor really kind of brings back the scope and the cinematography that you want in a Star Wars movie. Or, yeah, in, in, in the more cinematic feeling of Star Wars, right? This trailer has all that. And this is going to be a show that's what I think this first season is what what twelve thirteen episodes, and then there's like a bunch more, and then like later in the year or whatever is going to be, you know, broken up into or two. I can't remember how they did it. It's, it's it, yeah, it's one long season and then like a longer second season, I believe, something like that. Anyways, I don't have the details in front of me. I apologize, but but yeah, I mean that sense of grandeur is back, right? Like the the, the cinematic feel, the cinematic scope, it's all in this trailer, and it's wrapped up in this like just a, a trailer full of intensity, full of things that we're like, ooh, what's that? Ooh, look who that is. Ooh, who's that? And and you get to play that game with this trailer in a way that's so much fun. And then you get bits of, of you know, Diego Luna voiceover there at the beginning of the trailer like we played for the show. You get Stellan Skarsgård, one of my favorites, uh, <laughs> in a Star Wars thing, which... Uh, from what I've heard from interviews with Stellan over the years, he doesn't care that he's in a Star Wars thing. It doesn't mean that much to him. He, you know, he he liked the script. He wanted to work with Tony Gilroy. Blah, whatever. As Stellan Skarsgård is here, and that's the part that matters. And he's going to bring the thunder, because that guy. Oh, I got me a deep love and appreciation for Stellan Skarsgård as an actor, going way, way back. So, so really exciting to kind of see that gravitas. And again, we are in the era that I want to play in. We are in the dark times, the, the boot of the Empire firmly on the neck of the galaxy. And I cannot wait to see sort of what looks to be like the real coming together of the Rebel Alliance to, to oppose the Empire, to be a valid military threat against the Empire. And I'm really, really excited to see this the show take shape and bring these elements together because, you know, we got Mon Mothma and, and these, these uh, what look like ISB agents in, in the, the Imperial Security Bureau possibly potentially in play as well lots of really good stuff looks like it's just going to hit on all the things i want star wars to hit on right now i want again star you know we've we've talked about it in the past i'm not the only one who said who have said it before but star wars is a big smorgasbord right like there should be something on the table for everyone you don't have to pick everything off the table like there is some there's going to be some star wars that's for some people and some star wars that's not for you uh, this Star Wars feels very much for me. Like this is this is sort of like that more intense, maybe more adult-oriented Star Wars. You know, with the, like the stakes so high and the intensity ratcheted up, and the and the drama and the characterization stuff just gonna be on a next level. And I'm really excited to see what that what that's gonna look like in this show. And and yeah, this this again when when Andor was first announced, I was I was excited, but I was like, hmm, I don't know. Let's see what this is gonna be. Um, and what it looks like it's gonna be is freaking awesome i'm i'm really really stoked for what we are seeing thus far on the show from the show and now we uh yes it's pushed back it's been pushed into september but i'm okay with that give it a little bit more breathing room and we're gonna get another wonderful three episode debut day on wednesday uh, september 21st i couldn't be more excited uh 
that it's possible I will be taking the day off of work to stay home and watch Andor for three episodes of just pure delight and then podcasting my brains out about it because I am really, 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 really keyed up for this show. Like I said, I think it's going to have a lot of things that we want to see, a lot of things we want to get to. You know, you bring back Forrest Whitaker, Saw Guerrera, again, more Saw Guerrera, as we sort of talked about, just coming out of the the Onderon trailer, uh, Onderon episodes of Clone Wars, the rewatch series. Yeah, this is just, this might be the Star Wars show that I might be the most excited about. And I say that as someone who is a huge Ahsoka Tano fan. So, (laughs) yeah, Andor Andor looks like it's going to be the show that maybe scratches the itch that I have right in the middle between my shoulder blades that I can't get to in that hard-to-reach place. Uh, And this, this looks like the show. The trailer's fantastic. I've watched it 17,000 times, as I'm sure many of you have. And gosh darn it. And there's something subtly, subversively humorous about it, too. Like the shots of, like, the fat cat Imperials sipping their coffee while Andrew's talking about their smug satisfaction. Oh, I just delight in in rewatching this trailer and finding, like, little, little pieces of nuance. Uh, in there that that they're going to bring to it and it looks like the, the cast looks fantastic the cast looks amazing and we'll, we'll talk more about them as we kind of get into the show as we lead into the the, the, the week coming up uh, and i suspect i suspect that the week before and or debuts we will do a special look back at star wars rogue one which is which is probably probably my favorite of the disney star wars films that have come out so yeah, we're, we'll 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 probably spend some time talking about that and getting reacquainted with Andor's first appearance in that in that in that spectacular film, in my opinion. All right, so let's take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back and talk about another topic going on in the world of Star Wars. I find that answer vague and unconvincing. So, in other exciting Star Wars news in my life, I read a book. Uh, I read Adam Christopher's Shadow of the Sith, uh, a book that has in my opinion, something of a, of a Herculean-esque task ahead of itself by sort of filling in uh, a, a chunk of time between, or in, after Gary Wood's uh, Aftermath trilogy, but before The Force Awakens, you know, we get Lando and Luke on an adventure that has a lot to do with the sequel trilogy. Uh, and I say that as someone who, as you may know, is not the world's biggest sequel trilogy fan, there are highs and lows, and and um, you know I could I could get into all that, and we may talk about some of it as I get into some of this this book. But what what Christopher has to do in this, what Adam Christopher I should say, if I say Christopher, that sounds confusing, right? Because it, he has two first names as his entire name. But but we he spent an episode way back talking about retroactive continuity where we, we talked about what Greg Pak was doing on, in the Darth Vader comic book for Marvel and how he was going back into the timeline of the original trilogy and laying groundwork for what J.J. does, specifically in The Rise of Skywalker. They introduced the idea of the Wayfinders. They introduced Exegol. They introduced the Sith Eternal uh, through that comic book, through... Again, through retroactive continuity, by, by making it sound like it's been there the entire time, not just thrown at us in, in that one film, and we're supposed to believe that it's been there the entire time. And, and that sort of has become what a lot of books and comics have to do, with, do as part of their partnership with large cinematic franchises, right? Sometimes you have to go back and you have to do the heavy lifting that they didn't do in the film itself. Uh, and Adam Christopher gets to do that as well. And I th- if, if it almost feels like... Either he worked with Greg Pak, or he was just a, he paid a lot of attention to Greg Pak's run on on Darth Vader's comic book, uh, because 
a lot of that stuff is referenced. The the time uh, when Vader was on Exegol, the time that Vader got his Wayfinder to find Exegol, Ochi of Bastoon with Vader on Exegol. All these things, setting up all these things. Uh, Adam Christopher paid a lot of attention to the details, and I, I truly, truly respect the, the amount of work that he put into this book. And by and large, uh, this book works. Uh, whether you're a fan of the sequels or not, this book works. Yeah, there are some problems um, that are challenging for me to get over, but that's because I have problems that are hard to get over with the sequel trilogy. But if you want to know more, if you want to fill in some blanks about Rey, her parents, their, their, them being on the run from the Sith Eternal, how Rey ends up on Jakku, uh, all these things are in the book. And it, it works out, I think, it, it comes together pretty nicely. There's also another threat from the Sith Eternal, a, a resurrected uh, a Dark Lord of the Sith from another era that, that Luke has to confront, that, that's possessed a, a being uh, now. It sort of spins out of what Gary would have set up in in his uh, in one of the, in, the the interludes in his aftermath trilogy of the, of the the this cult that was sort of running around collecting Sith artifacts. So he sort of picks up on that as well, and and so he, Adam Christopher does a really fine job of weaving these things together. Like I said, there are some elements that if you're like me and you're not the world's biggest sequel trilogy fan, uh, you may bump up against. But again, I totally respect. The effort that he puts into this, and by and large, it's a, it's a fun, uh, it's well, fun maybe a strong word, but it's a good story. It's a good Star Wars story, and I think it's worth your time and attention, uh, because this guy put in the time and attention, and and he really does uh, lay the track that I wish they had laid in the sequel trilogy. You know, uh, if I if I could be allowed to sort of go on a on a small a small tangent, I'll keep it small. You know, a lot of my problems with the Rise of Skywalker is that. They introduce all these elements all at once in this film that perhaps if there had been more of a thought-out game plan for the sequel trilogy, they could have introduced some of these elements in the first film, and then they would have spent the next two paying off various said elements instead of just throwing them all at us willy-nilly in the third film. Um, but And there is one element of the third film that that Adam Christopher works very, very hard to make make sense. And while I don't buy it completely, I still, again, I appreciate the effort. I, I won't go into details in case there's anybody. Again, I don't want to, I don't want to slight, I don't want to sound like I'm slighting JJ. I definitely don't want to sound like I'm slighting Adam Christopher because he does a, a darn fine job with this book. Um, but, the, but there's one element that, I, that you will not convince me ever makes any sense whatsoever. But again, like I said, you get Ochi of Bastoon, you get the, 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 the Sith dagger, all these elements that are in the Rise of Skywalker are introduced and set up in a way that if if the sequel trilogy had been kind of laid out ahead of time and, and all these elements were introduced earlier, probably would have made more sense. Probably would have played out better for me. And again, I say that knowing there are people who love the sequels, and I do not say this to slight you in any sense. I'm just giving my own opinion, and this is just me. We can agree to disagree. It's A-OK. I, I, and again, I, I read... Plenty of things on the internet. I read people, plenty of people's theories and theses on why various elements of the sequel trilogy uh, make sense. And and some I agree with, some I don't. But sometimes, you know, just personal taste comes into play too. And, and sometimes I'm just like, well, I just don't, that's just not an element that I care for. And that's okay. I still like Star Wars. Like I said, it's a smorgasbord. There's an entire table of Star Wars to pick from. I don't need to take the entire table. I can leave parts of it over there for other people to enjoy and that's okay but yeah 
by and large, I think Shadows of the Sith is a book worth your time, worth your attention. Uh, it, it, like I said, it, it pays off a lot of things. I, you know, retroactive continuity is sort of a slippery slope, and, and we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about continuity a little bit more in, in just a moment as we get to our final topic for this episode. Uh, retroactive continuity is a very slippery slope, and unfortunately, a lot of times it falls to uh, the licensees of, of big for big franchises like Star Wars. You know, like you are going to put the onus on the comic book writer or the, the novelist to sort of fill in gaps and to like sort of connect dots where there weren't even dots before. And again, that's sort of my problem with the third movie is like it, it you're not connected. It doesn't get to connect any dots. It throws all new dots out there that someone else has to do the work to, to put together, to paint the picture, to bring all the elements together. And, and that's just not the way I prefer to have a story told, but that's me. Maybe you disagree. It's okay. So what I'm trying to tell you, <laughs> and again, there are so, there are some elements to the book that aren't perfect. Uh, there's some things that I did bump up by, against, but by and large, uh, this is one of the better books that are currently out there in the new canon. I am not much like the sequel trilogy. I'm not a fan of a lot of the books that are currently out in the new uh, the new sort of Disney expanded universe canon. Like I don't really care much for the aftermath trilogy. I didn't very much enjoy uh, the last shot, the the Han and Lando book. didn't Didn't think much about that one. I, there's a there's a whole Han Solo thing going on in the new canon that I I don't care for, and maybe one day we'll talk more about that. Uh, but last shot didn't work for me on on a lot of different levels. Um, so far, by and large, most of the books that work for me in the new in the new canon are the ones that are set during the prequel era. <laughs> it's like Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Fantastic books about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. It's great. Uh, I have not finished, but I'm very much enjoying Brotherhood uh, by Mike Chen about Obi-Wan and Anakin and their, their, their relationship with each other during the Clone Wars shortly after, after the Battle of Geonosis. That, by and large, that's been really, really good. Uh, but I, I, this might be the first one that exists in sort of a post-Return of the Jedi timeline that I'm enjoying. I, I can't think of anything else really jumping into my mind right now that I liked more than this one. Um, and I, and and I enjoyed this quite a bit. I actually, I was, I started, sort of started flipping through this casually one day. Uh, I was by, at, by this point I was already reading brotherhood <laughs> and I was enjoying it quite a bit, but elements of this book started kind of drawing my attention and I got, I got sort of wrapped up in the mystery of what they were doing here. Uh, and, and if there's one thing I can, I can tell you about this book, uh, as, as an advocate for droids' rights in this galaxy, uh, the treatment of Dio at the hands of Ochi of Bestoon, appalling. Simply appalling. Uh, and to give a little bit more context to that droid's behavior, when we meet him in, in, in Rise of Skywalker, uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> like I said, Retroactive Kunu is a slippery slope, but Adam Christopher does a really nice job of taking all the random elements that were thrown at us as an audience in Rise of Skywalker and, and bringing them together in a way that's cohesive and makes some sense and uh, sort of soothes my rough edges at the elements that annoyed the crap out of me during that film. And I, t in my mind, that's a compliment. <laughs> I, I, I hope anyone out there, uh, if Adam Christopher were to hear this, I hope he takes it as a compliment because I mean it as one. I, I think he did a really uh, exceptional job bringing a lot of des disparate elements together to, to really make a cohesive narrative and, and 
The book is worth your time. It is worth your attention. And this will take us into our next final topic of the day, and we're going to stay on the continuity topic. But first, another quick break. Just did the castle run in 12 parsecs. Not if you round down, buddy. Yeah. And our last topic for this Bantha Tracks bonus show has to do with the upcoming animated Star Wars Tales of the Jedi series, uh, which I love Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. It's a great title being borrowed from the old comic book from Dark Horse back in the 90s. Uh, and I'm excited to see this show. It's going to be focusing on uh, Jedi Knights of the of the prequel era. You know, so we're talking, we're talking Ahsoka, we're talking Mace and Obi-Wan and, 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 you know, all those Jedi that we got so familiar with during episodes one, two, and three. Uh, what has sort of come to light, or at least what has sort of uh, stoked the fires of the fandom, I, I guess I'm, I would have to say, is sort of the idea that some of these stories will be potentially uh, countermanding books and comics and things like that that have told stories of these characters in various forms. Uh, one of the big uh, rumors is that something will happen in, in one of these episodes with, a, with an Ahsoka Tano uh, post-Clone Wars that would uh, um, sort of impact E.K. Johnson's book, uh, her, her Ahsoka title, the, one, the, the book that came out so long ago and was, was fantastic and wonderful and delightful, and that there would be something in this animated series that would, would, would countermand something in that. And the same thing with, uh, with, with, with what we've heard about the episode that will focus on Count Dooku, that it will uh, impact and change Kevin Scott's uh, great Jedi Lost uh, no, uh, audio drama slash novelization. That was fantastic, and I totally loved that as well. Um, this, this is sort of like the opposite of retroactive continuity in, the, in that this is sort of what has this, – this is sort of like the, the other end of the spectrum when you work for – when you're a licensee, basically, of a giant, massive franchise like Star Wars, and this, the sort of the terms of engagement are like whatever they do in on TV and on 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 the film screens, countermands overrides everything else before it, and then the rest of the creators on the books, on the novels, on the comics, on everything else in between, they have to scramble and adjust and adapt. Sometimes it's 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 it works. Sometimes it's it's like a square peg in a round hole, and you kind of butt up against it. Uh, I wanted to bring this up because there's there's sort of a weird symmetry, the circle of life sort of moment happening right now with the, with the fandom that is concerned about this element. Uh, because I want to go back in time, <laughs> and I know y'all love it when I go back in time. Uh, but like yeah, like when Star Wars: The Clone Wars was getting up and running. And it was announced in the second season that they were going to go to Mandalore and we were going to see Mandalore, but not a Mandalore that anybody expected. A Mandalore uh, run by pacifists, uh, people that were trying to bury their warrior past. And, and, and this gets announced at a time when, particularly for, for my fellow Star Wars fans that I was in close contact with, like friends like Reagan, we are completely immersed and obsessed with what Karen Travis is doing with the Mandalorians in, in, in the, um, in the 
a Republic Commando, yeah, Republic Commando novels that she's turning out. And we're getting all this great Mandalorian history, all this great Mandalorian culture, all these wonderful elements that we are connecting to and embracing and just, you know, pumping our fists in the air because we're so excited and so delighted by the, by the, the mythology, the tapestry that's being woven around Mandalore, this, this, this planet that we had been craving information and knowledge for, and we're finally getting it, and we're getting to this stuff that just is fascinating and exciting and, and, and capturing our imaginations. And then the announcement comes out that, well, yeah, man, we're doing this in Star Wars The Clone Wars, and that's what's important. That overrides all this other stuff. So you can be, you can take all that and blah, blah, blah with it. And listen, this happened when I was a, a much younger man, a, a man prone to to uh, anger and and and, uh, and a lot of dark side feelings uh, when when I disagreed with what uh, the the franchise that I loved so much was doing uh, and it it did impact my enjoyment of of Star Wars the Clone Wars uh, kind of moving forward in the in the fact that like it it's, it's from a very personal perspective it felt like it was taking the things that I loved and throwing them out the window so they could do whatever they wanted to do and that annoyed me. And it made it hard for me to enjoy uh, the, my first go around with with the new new with the new with the, with the new Mandalore in season two of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. You know, the Satine and all that stuff. It took me some time to process my feelings about that and 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 sort of come to the realization that I could stomp my feet in the ground as much as I want and and shout at the clouds and do all those things. So nowadays, most people would just go on the internet and start yelling and screaming and, and being an awful person on the internet. I just did it in, in my own little circle of friends with a much smaller impact <laughs> when, when you do it with around like three or four other people. So, so I, I realized I could keep doing that or I could continue to enjoy my stories the way that I enjoyed my, my Karen Travis stories and to keep them near and dear to my heart, but find a way to, 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 to embrace this element of Star Wars as well, this this thing that was sort of changing that. And again, I, I, I it also helped that a couple years later, uh, I got to meet Karen Travis at a Comic-Con, and I got to talk to her about this. And, and, and we had a lovely chat about it, and she was she was very uh, uh, polite about the whole situation, and, and she was like, I could have worked around it. And uh, now she Karen didn't finish her work on Star Wars because of a contract dispute, a financial dispute. Uh, a lot of fans took it as as she was mad at what happened with Star Wars: The Clone Wars. But but when I asked her about, it, she's like, "No, I, I I could have worked around it. I I am a I'm a I'm a writer. I can work around anything. That's it's part of my trade. I, I would have made it work." And I believed her. I, I believe she was very very sincere about it. And 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 so it, it sort of it sort of made me realize that I was being precious about something. That if if the writer of the material was willing to deal and roll with the punches, then as a fan, why couldn't I? And that seems to be what the, the, the same track that the authors whose work might potentially uh, have to do have to do a little um, be a little malleable, be a little fluid. You know, Kevin Scott, E.K. Johnston, they've both said, like, hey, let's see what the shows do and like we can work around it. We have imaginations. We're storytellers. We can make all these things work. We can make all these things fit. And your story that you love so much, it's going to be just fine. Like, we got this. So I, I, I just want to urge the fandom, if you're one of the people that, that's concerned or, or potentially upset that something from the Ahsoka book might get invalidated or something from, from Kevin Scott's 
uh, Jedi Lost Dooku book might get invalidated. Let let's let's take a breath. Let's step back a minute. Let's see what happens, and then we'll give these the, let's give the creators a chance to 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 respond. And again, they're not going to lash out. They love doing Star Wars stuff. I if you follow Kevin Scott on social media, I don't think you'd find a happier person. To who who exists in the Star Wars universe than than Kevin Scott? The man is just delighted to be telling these stories, and I suspect he will find a way. If anything were to become, uh, if there were to be some sort of contradiction or anything like that, I suspect he will find a way to make it work. E.K. Johnston will be much the same with the Ahsoka book and and anything else that may happen in between. Um, these these creators, I think they go into these situations knowing these opportunities these possibilities exist and so they i think in their, in their minds they're sort of prepared for it and again they're they are they're very creative people they're storytellers and they but they they know that they are one of many in the star wars galaxy and so sometimes you know you got to be willing to to be fluid to make that cohesive tapestry come together you know maybe sometimes it's, it's a little it's not quite as smooth as you want it to be, but give them a chance. Let's see what happens. Let's stay with it. Uh, barring something completely egregious being done in, in Tales of the Jedi, I, I think the creators are going to be just fine, and they'll figure out their workarounds. You know, it's sort of like the reverse of what we were saying about Adam Christopher uh, with with what he had to do on Shadows of the Sith. Uh, he was given so many random elements to sort of bring together uh, <laughs> that he, I think he had a little bit more freedom to connect all, all these dots in in a way that in, in, that I think he he exceeded his mandate to connect the dots in in, in a way that made sense. This time it, it, it's sort of the opposite of that in, in that there's already a cohesive narrative, but now there's new elements that may change the way the pattern flows. Again, give them a chance, give them an opportunity. These people know what they're doing. Uh, Star Wars is. You know, some people might argue that Star Wars is too big to fail, and it, by and large, they are correct. Uh, but people, the people involved, care, and and that's the thing to remember. They care, and they're going to make sure that these things all make sense. And and just take a breath, step back, let's see what happens, and and let the creators uh, come to it in their own time. They'll they'll figure these things out if there's anything to, to figure out. In the meantime, we might just be shouting at the clouds for nothing, and uh, the fans that are doing that. Like I said earlier, I've been there. I did that. I, uh, I, I, I had to process it and figure out my own way to, to move on and to still enjoy the things that I enjoy uh, and enjoy the new things that are coming my way too. And that's all I want to say about that. <laughs> Fandom, it's so much fun. No, it really, really is. It really is, it really is. But we can't get too precious about these things. We have to kind of be, be again, be fluid, be flexible, be amenable to change, and and give the creators a, an opportunity to um, to bring it all together for you. Just be patient. They're they're gonna do it. They they, they care too much about Star Wars and the characters that they're, te- they're telling stories about to to not have these things addressed or worked around or fixed or whatever whatever the case may be. Uh, I just I I just want to urge us not to take the worst case scenario heading into Star Wars: The, the Tales of the Jedi series. Let's let's see what happens. Let's enjoy it. Let's have fun with it. And if there's any sort of glitches in the continuity, they will address it. They will figure it out. We that these are really talented people, and they are on top of it. All right, I think that's going to be it 
for this Bantha Tracks bonus show. All right, I want to go ahead and thank the official Mandivision Maniacs, which you can become over at patreon.com forward slash Mandivision. You can join these maniacs and gain access to sweet, sweet, sweet bonus content. Thank you to the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail, Jeff hosting the Ringineer, a great music podcast that I wish came out more often. Thanks to the Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pride Brewing Company here in San Diego, and now Baltimore, Maryland, the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops, the Silent Assassin, he who should not be named, and Syndicate Ram, come on, the host of Come On, It's Still Good, a great movie podcast that does come out all the freaking time. Uh, be sure you're following us on social media. We're at uh, Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. And, yeah, it's Star Wars. It's the best. Just get ready. Uh, in the meantime, you know, you have more Star Wars, the Clone Wars rewatch episodes coming on the feed. So make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. I truly, truly appreciate that. And if you have the time for the five-star reviews, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. We really, really appreciate that. It helps the small shows like us stand out. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So yes, in the meantime, more Star Wars The Clone Wars rewatch shows coming your way. There may be some more Bantha tracks in the middle of that too. Um, I haven't quite set on the schedule because now with, with Andor shifting dates into September, our schedule may change a little bit, but I actually think that helps us. Uh, a little bit more than it hurts us. So I'll, I'll keep you all posted on that. But in the meantime, just be excellent Star Wars fans to each other. Be supportive of each other. Kind, nurturing, friendly, welcoming. Don't be gatekeepers. Got no time for you if you're a gatekeeper. And again, reach out to, to anybody who is uh, in need of a little Star Wars love in their life. All right? You know how this podcast can... It, look at that. I'm, I'm stepping all over myself. You know this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I suppose you'll be heading out. I'm not. You should. It's against the creed. I gave you my word. I'm with you until we both fall. You really buy into that bent of thought of? I do. I do. 